living in New York with rent controls who'd lived there for like 20 or 30 years and painted mm-hmm. the entire thing red and her rent was still $600 mm-hmm. and how there were other artists living in the area mm-hmm. who, so actually the Lower East Side still maintained a history of its art thing. And I was actually just doing a bunch of research on gay villages yesterday as well. Gay villages as in like enclaves in cities? Or? As in I read the Wikipedia article, Gay Village. <laughs> yeah. But it basically taught, it's all about gentrification. Mm. And uh, then it goes into Richard Florida's theory on gentrification, which is one that I studied at university, which was my dissertation was about this. Okay. But I'm also kind of thinking within myself about moving to writing an artist statement about having an immaterial practice, like rather than say, rather than, grounding in any one thing and also that I feel that the material aspect of the gay village itself is something that is just turning into something of the 20th century and also these what is the gay village well the gay village is it's basically an enclave it's it's a queer enclave within a city Mm -hmm. it's an area in the city that queer people move to that like John D'Amelio in the capitalism the gay identity talks about the idea that um that the alienation of modern labour allowed for the emergence of independent adults with private incomes who could move to areas. So, like, basically people... So, uh, families lived outside of the city and queer people, without these constraints, moved into the city, into yeah. inner-city areas, yeah. established gay areas. It concentrates resources. It concentrates non-discriminatory services. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> these sorts of things. The Castro was, like, a big one of this in the US, The right? Castro is a prime yeah. example, yeah. And then... Um, and then that these then typically become sites of gentrification yeah. as well. And always, and so this is, and that then, and now lots of traditional gay villages like Soho catered towards like a, a, an affluent gay male population are uh, rather, and it actually dispossesses queer people as well. Like it, yeah. it works towards an LGBT, and it dispossesses queer people. And I think that it's, it's interesting because it's like, Lots of these, I think there's lots of phenomena that happen, that happened to queer people in the 20th century that are now just happening to everyone. Yeah. And that actually, that basically it's just, it's just to do with dispossession from the family and their edible order and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but I think all of that is, I think let's focus the first half on... Oh, I already started. Oh, what? No! <laughs> <laughs> I thought you knew. No, but I was like, you were like full on it. Like, why would you explain something in that much deep, deep detail to me? I'm <laughs> I was like, I was thinking this still just sounds like this should be the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was the podcast. Wow, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, you did such a good job. Fuck. I already learned what a gay village is. Yeah, well, we better introduce ourselves then. Well, I am Queen of the Heavens and of the Earth, <laughs> Empress of Despair, Architect of Your Eternal Suffering, Olympia Bukakis. And I am gorgeously unaware, oozing gloop. <laughs> and you're listening to our podcast, Slurry! Slurry! Hey! Our monthly Slurry. Our mo- this is our first monthly edition of Slurry. It's that time of the month. That's that time of the month. <laughs> we, slurry is now your new monthly curse. <laughs> your new yeah. monthly, like the full moon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and we uh, have decided that this month we're going to talk about Rent. Rent. Because there's yep. nothing going on but the rent. There's nothing going on with the rent. No, no, nothing going on but the rent. Oh. It's a... Uh, is, that a is that a British saying? No, it's an 80s pop folksy... song. Oh. Okay. What, by whom? 
Uh, pass. But it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was performed as a lip sync by Alyssa Edwards on RuPaul's Drag Race. Ah. And it has the lyrics like, nothing going on but the rent. And then it's, I, I think you, uh, you've got to have solvency if you want to be with me. <laughs> Oh, wow, that's a very 80s sentiment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and I, I, yeah, I feel it. Yeah. I've never dated anyone with any money. (laughs) Oh, no, no. Okay. Okay. The first person that I dated, um, uh, when I first moved to Melbourne, um, his father worked for the UN and he'd gone to school in Geneva and stuff. Mm. And he was like super fancy. And I didn't really understand because like Australia doesn't like the ruling class in Australia has to be a little bit more polite than the one in the UK. Yeah. Like, like it's not like it's frowned upon to spit on the poor in public, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so I didn't have any sort of like class self-consciousness um, like when I was that, I was like totally unaware, like of class yeah. as a thing. Right. <laughs> and, um, and so, <laughs> and so I was, I worked all day in a call center and then we were going to have a date that evening and he goes, and I messaged him and I was like, I'm done. He's like, okay, well I'll let you go home and freshen up and then we can meet up. And I was like, no, I'm ready now. <laughs> and then he was like and then anyway I, I think he broke up with me because I wasn't bourgeois enough um, and I don't <laughs> think that I know that and um, then he was complaining about like some other guy that he was dating because we stayed friends and he was complaining he was like he's the kind of person that would go to a restaurant and you know order a bolognese you know and I was like I don't know what that means <laughs> like I had no idea but I was like also when you go to a restaurant you're supposed to order something sophisticated like I uh, it just it just didn't occur to me. I happen to think that bolognese has quite the quite a sophistication to it. Well, it's just like who fucking cares? I, yeah. I was so surprised. I had no idea. Um, so how did I get here though? Because we're talking about class, but then also and the idea that you never dated anyone who had any money. Oh yeah, yeah. So he had money. He definitely had money. Yeah. Um, but did he ever spend it on you, or did he make you split everything? Uh, Australians don't do that. So when you like usually in Australia when you go for. Um, a coffee or whatever, like one person will pay and mm. the other one pays the next time. Also, oh. even even when you don't have much money, um, oh. well, this is my experience of it. Yeah. It's, a, it's a bit of a cultural thing. Okay, yeah. you don't go Dutch. No, no, it's, it's con- <laughs> I think it's considered a bit stingy to do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's yeah. it like in the UK? Um, <clears throat> oh, it's very interesting, right? Okay, the so rich one spits on the poor one. The rich one, yeah. the, the rich one does spit on the poor. It's very funny because also there was some like American celebrity who was uh, in an interview, and she'd like, and it was like it was in some like random trashy magazine. I was reading on a train or something like that because I was like, but it was really funny because it, it's they asked her what is the difference between the UK and the US, and this is like a Hollywood actress, and she said. She was like, oh my God, the class in the UK, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, this sense of class distinction or separation. Mm. And I think it's it's something very interesting about, I think America particularly, or I think also as well, like, well, like America and then also Australia, but uh, that there's this notion that there isn't class. Yeah. Because you, whereas yeah. I feel that like, because I, where I grew up, I grew up on like a council estate and my uh, grand, there was a local aristocratic manor. <laughs> called Barnigan Hall. So the council estate, that's uh, public social housing. Public social yeah. housing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's, there was up the, a mile up the road, there was an aristocratic, private aristocratic mansion called Barnigan Hall. Mm-hmm. And my grandparents, then they had a big courtyard and there was a house on the courtyard where my grandparents lived because they were the cleaner and the groundskeeper for the wow. for Lady Mott Radcliffe, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who was like one of the 14th oldest like families in like the UK. So, and then... 
um, we kind of grew up between, so I grew up between these two estates. Yeah. And so it was also, I remember being at a table, like at my, at this, you know, one of those like memories from childhood that's just very clear. And like, um, and everyone was sat around just being like, oh, the rich get rich and the poor get poorer. And I was like, why is that? And they went, it's just the way it is. And, um, and then walked out the front door from my grandparents' house and looked at an aristocratic manner in front and being like, oh, so those are the rich and we're not rich. Yeah. And then when I was 16, I learned about Marxism and I was like, oh, finally, someone's explained it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There yeah. was, there was something about yeah. this. <laughs> Well, it's, what's sort of like remarkable about the, the British ruling class is that they're totally unselfconscious about being like the most disgusting inbred manky hodgepodge of like, yeah. of like low grade human material. And they like, and they're like the laughing stock of the world. And they're really, really proud of it and totally oblivious. Yeah. <laughs> I think like, I was the it. stupidest names in, in the entire English speaking world. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, because it's also as well, like, it's literally, they're just like, because it's a situation where, like, uh, people can just grow up and just be like, why shouldn't I sit around in my own shit all of the time? Yeah, exactly. Be like, well, you know, if the child does wish to do that, then the child wishes to do that. Yeah. Make it so. <laughs> I, there's also a really good, like, there was some certain royal family that ruled Spain that were so inbred, basically. The Habsburgs. Yeah, Habsburgs. Yeah. Have you ever looked at the... the Habsburg chin. It's a thing, yeah. Have you ever looked at the portraits? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh... <laughs> yeah, it's a particular... There's a particular, like, jaw deformity that's in that family from, like, from, uh, so, like, so much inbreeding. It's really intense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically just the entire UK. Yeah. The UK is just a Habsburg's chin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like... So, rent. Rent. Yeah, well, wow. I think we've covered it. <laughs> I think we're done. I think we're done. <laughs> Basically, what there is, is a bunch of people with stuff and a bunch of people without stuff. And the people with stuff, let the people without stuff use it for a bit before taking it back. Yeah, see, this is... People with Hasbro's <clears throat> chins. Yeah, this is what I was... Like, because the owner of my building, mm. um, his grandfather's name is emblazoned upon the front of the building. He owns, he owns like this, like this whole sort of like complex. It's like four or five buildings, like inside a block that he owns. Yeah. Um, and his grandfather's name is written across the front. Um, and then I pay rent into, uh, like, uh, like a woman's account. So maybe it's his mother or his partner. Um, but like, he's the one that I contact. Um, and, uh, it's like, especially during the crisis, I had this sort of thing where I was like, well, I need this money. Yeah. And you don't. Yeah. And you have this silly thing where you've <clears throat> written your, like, your grandfather has written his name yeah. across this building. And part of me feels like he wrote that across the building because he had a sneaking suspicion that actually the building wasn't his. <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't write your name on stuff that you don't like, unless you have a, like a fear that someone could come along and take it. Right. And I, th- I think this is like, this is Trump. Like Trump yeah. puts his name everywhere. And it's because I think he, Trump is secretly afraid that it doesn't exist. I think. Um, yeah. But like, and so like he, he can only exist by writing his name everywhere. And like the grandfather of my landlord did this. And I think yeah. it makes it quite clear that it's like, especially, okay, so <laughs> Sylvia Federici in Cal- Caliban <laughs> and the Witch talks about this thing, goes into this Marxist concept of primitive accum- accumulation. Mm. And um, this is how the bourgeoisie 
um, got their wealth, like how they first accumu accumulated their wealth so that they were separate from the other, like, like medieval rabble, basically. Mm. Um, because they didn't come from the aristocracy. They came from the, like, the rabble of right. people okay. from yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the aristocracy. Yeah. And the way that some people, you know, like merchants and stuff like yeah. that. But the way that these non-aristocrats developed their wealth um, <clears throat> was through this process of primitive accumulation. And p one part of that was the enclosure of the commons. So yeah. um, this is a big thing in the UK, uh, in the UK uh, and like throughout Western Europe. Mm. Um which was like a whole bunch of land used to be commonly yeah. held land or like crown land or whatever, but like mm. not land that like, um, uh, it was land that was like no particular person owned. Yeah. And uh, like a, a public of, resource. Yeah. And so a lot of people used this to secure their livelihoods. Um, mm. And so uh, they would farm, fish, hunt, like all of this sort of stuff, which meant that they weren't as reliable. Uh, they didn't have to rely on... Um, uh, the the lords and the wealthy as much um, because they they only because they worked for a wage if they worked yeah. serfs um, uh, and so they would work they were less willing to work and then after the Black Death because yeah. like all of the, like half of everyone's gone um, mm. then you have this thing where there's a really high demand for labor so actually like uh, medieval pe peasants after the Black Death um, mm. for about a hundred years hundred and fifty years actually had quite high quality, high living standards. Yeah. And I'm sure like a lot of the people that they found really annoying were gone. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, every oh, cloud has a silver lining. A new, a new appreciation for the ones who were there Exactly, as well. yeah. We all got a little bit more space. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing that helps you reconnect with your friends who are left uh, that more than the disappearance of half of all people, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like an Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I'd be like, you're actually, I can appreciate you're actually quite a dynamic character now. You're not being yeah, yeah. overwhelmed yeah, by all the more. Yeah, you have a third dimension. You're not just this one trait that I found annoying. You, know? yeah. Yeah. you are still primarily that trait, of course. Yeah, of course. But yeah. Just thinking though, the overall population at this point in history was much, much much lower than it is now as well. Yeah. Like, because it's, yeah. we in the last hundred years, we've had this complete, like, explosion. So, like, so then the population, so then not only was the population very low in comparison to how it is now, then half the people disappeared. There must have been, like, five people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, in the you'd pub. Hope, you'd hope that, like, you were attracted to one of the five that were left. Yeah, but also at the same time as well, you can definitely say that, like, you're, you you now have to be like, I'm one of the fifth most attractive people. I'm the fifth most attractive person. <laughs> you're like, I'm the fifth most attractive person in the world. I had this, I had this in my grade seven class. I was sitting with, two, like, the, like, these two girls who were my friends. And it was like, there's just, a, there's just, there's a several, there's several years in human development where everyone just turns into, like, <laughs> like, let's just, yeah, everyone, everyone, like has a good personality, let's say. And so- I guess braces and glasses. Sorry? I guess braces and glasses. Yeah, like I have now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think I carry it much better than I would have if I was a teenager. And the silver but, tooth gives it a real roguish ring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like, uh, so that we were talking, trying to work out who like, I don't, I wasn't, I wasn't out, but I was participating in this conversation about who was the hottest boy in the class. <laughs> Laying the groundwork. Yeah. We call that foreshadowing yeah, in movies. Yeah. And then we, we realised it was me. 
And I was like, I wasn't even like, no one oh, talked wow. to me. I wasn't even aiming for that. I was like such like uh, intimidated. Uh, um, no, no, they were not intimidated. <laughs> no. they, they were fucking brutal. Um, but like, then we turned out like, turned out that, oh, but that's, that's kind of a backhand. So you were the hot gay one. Well, I wasn't openly gay, but I was, yeah, I, which is even better. Yeah. I was the hottest one in the class. Yeah. And I wish that that meant more, but like, if I could show you these other boys, <laughs> they were so hideous. I, I have to summarize, I'm in your room, I mean, we're actually physically together, we're socially distanced, but we're physically in the same space. I just turned around and seen there's a gorgeous picture of you just like there on the mantelpiece. Yeah, yeah. I look really nice in that photo. The mantelpiece. You, you can see yeah. I was the hottest boy in year the seven. The hottest boy in year seven, yep. definitely. Yeah, yep. hotter than all of those farmers' sons. <laughs> Uh, the dairy farmer kids would always come to school and they would smell still a little bit like the milky shed oh my god it's a very particular smell oh my Um, god (laughs) but um like like the 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 reek of animal and then also the i'm just being nice it smells like shit yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) no i'm very familiar with this where we go where my mum um my mum did very well out of the 2008 financial crisis (laughs) your mother did very well out of the 2008 financial crisis yes she uh which is kind of lots of uh, bad things happen my family done well out of but anyway um your family are disaster capitalists completely yeah 100 percent, definitely well basically because uh she got divorced at that point and at two that in 2007 or 2006 maybe i don't know but sometime around she got divorced and then um and i moved out with her and we were we lived with a a, a, a relative's boyfriend and then we got kicked out when he got a new girlfriend um and then uh then we rented somewhere and the, this is the point in which uh sounds like it's going really well so yeah. yeah 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 no but this is just it is like, <laughs> this is 2007 okay okay okay, okay. <laughs> like uh and then um yeah we were in this place oh in this in this i was a children's librarian at the time but then because of misconduct at work i got suspended so i became a cam boy yeah. um because i got i got recruited on myspace it was a different time really yes yeah. <laughs> yes and um it was like there was like a single pane window in this place and it was winter and the room was so small and the window was so big it was like a gigantic cold beam mm-hmm. coming through so we had to put up some stuff to block it and it became more moldy behind it but a beautiful it was a, a you know it was it was gross anyway um yeah, I'm waiting for the part where this story picks up. Oh well, so pretty bleak. So <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, then and then the 2008 financial crisis hit, uh, which and then so basically a bunch of people uh, lost their homes, and so there were and then because my mum was a social worker working in child protection, so she's literally dealing with like the the worst dregs of like. Of, of abuse against children mm. and separating families and like having to do like the most like hardcore like in the trenches form of social work oh and also baby p happened at the same time as well which is a, a gigantic child abuse case where all the social workers got blamed for it when it was actually the doctors and police and blah 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 so there was like all this stuff but basically social workers could get a special rate mortgage or government workers get a special rate mortgage and so these people lost their these people defaulted on their mortgage, lost their house, and my mom could get mortgage on him. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my mom was like, looks like, and so it was in this village, but it was like a house that was in a row of houses, like it had a house on each side, and it just had like a tiny little like courtyard. But the thing is, though, is that these people hadn't got over the you know were still in love with the idea of the of the common land because they lived with goats. Yeah. 
they lived with goats. And so the whole house, like I went, like I went in, I had a boyfriend at the time. I went in there. The whole house stank of goats. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had to like wash in a bowl. I stayed there one night and then I moved out. Yeah. <laughs> but then my mum turned it into a beautiful little house by herself. But yeah, I have no idea that these people just like, like. So like the, the 2008 financial crisis turning out well for your family yeah. was living with goats and washing in a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Oh, like, you actually do have like medieval post black death standards. Yeah. Like, oh my god, we had two goats and I washed in a bowl. It was amazing. I know. No, no. I moved out. But I mean, also, my parents are second cousins, so I've even got the touch of inbreeding in there yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. Really getting the full British experience right now, right here. That's so this funny. Like, oh god. <laughs> if only there was something, you know. And but actually, as well, like we now, it's very interesting because like. Hunter gatherers, uh, it thought hunter gatherers could sustain themselves from a fifteen-hour work week. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I actually believe, I, I firmly believe that I, my ideal situation would be. I think that what we should be aspiring to as a society is a sixteen-hour, a sixteen-hour work week over four days. Yeah, so, like yeah. that's, and then you have time for doing these other things and like all of this stuff, and uh, but then the average surf now used to no the average surf now oh god (laughs) the average surf in medieval times used to have more days off than the current american worker yeah that was the same sort yeah like so this is uh, this is like uh i wasn't really aware of this uh element of history and so this book caliban and the witch Mm. is a really useful resource if you want to understand uh like the birth of capitalism Mm. Um, and it's as she goes into its relationship with imperialism and and like um so it was super interesting, uh, but so the the like the, the enclosure of the commons meant that a whole bunch of land that used to be publicly uh, like collectively owned. So people started living with their goats. <laughs> um, well, like, then uh, they didn't have like, like this the land public to, grow, land for to the goats. raise their goats. Yeah. yeah. So um, there was. Uh, so they live with it. Yeah, they did. They live with the goats. Yeah. So, so can we move on from the living with the goats or do you, do you need more time for that? Okay, so wait. Just I want to just get down that. No, okay, so the, the public land, yeah. yeah. So it's this so, And so then the people who owned that land had access to this resource and the people who were, ki- who were no longer able to use that mm. then became more reliant on the people who owned uh, that land uh, for their livelihood because they didn't... And a lot of this land was also used for collective rituals of, like, celebration and stuff. So going out to the woods, getting fucking wasted and fucking mm. everyone... Like, so, you know, everyone does their... Like, just like today, yeah. like, everyone does their job and, like, stays in, stays inside the corners and then... At an allotted time, people get fucked up, lose it, and fuck each other, right? And oh, people, and people, I've kind of heard about this. Yeah, 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 this is, yeah, this is, yeah. You should try it. That's not um, and, <laughs> like, um, no, but I, know, I heard about this in medieval times, like the back, of, like that. Basically, people. This actually was. Uh, it's not a very well recorded aspect of yeah. history, but like basically in these sorts of like. And like 600, 400 years ago, 600, sort of well, 500 every, years yeah, ago. Every yeah. culture has some, like some sort of like, uh, like thing like this where Should it's just like, yeah, like there's a ritual outside of the everyday rules where you can sort of let stuff go. Right. Mm. Um, mm. And like also people going to church and speaking in tongues and stuff like this is another example of this. Right. And so, and so uh, like this practice is demonized and becomes something like the wishes Sabbath and stuff like mm. that. Um, but uh <clears throat> all of a sudden people are starting to pay rent Mm. on this thing because this person draws a box around it and says mine. Yeah. So they write their grandfather's name across the building, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But like, and across the tenants, actually, yeah. one day, one day yeah. the, you're going to be branded. Yeah. <laughs> this is why. This is the way I see this going. No, well, yeah, it just gets it gets worse and worse, and then uh, the living uh, living standards like drop, uh, like mm. life expectancy drops, and then it gets more to what we understand, what we imagine when we think of like a medieval peasant, which is like covered in suffering and mud, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, but this was not the case uh, for mm. a lot of the time, and it was actually living standards uh, dropped drastically with the advent of capitalism. Well, and so mm. like when we went like like as I was reading this book last mm. year while this crisis is going on, I was like, my landlord doesn't own this building. Yeah. This is my apartment. This is where I live. Yeah. It's like in a very sort of like basic way. I was like, oh, this is theft. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh wait, uh, I had a thought and it was clever, but I think it's... Yeah, it's, it's gone. gone. It's gone. It's gone. No, wait, it's about landlords, rent, Neoliberalism, no, oh, the, the, uh, this birth, oh, wait, shit, that was it, sorry. Also, what's very interesting, well, it's even actually the, the, the really clear, uh, really clear uh, binary gender mm-hmm. actually came about uh, in the 1800s mm-hmm. as well, actually, like in this more medieval time, uh, or basically what it was considered previously and sort of historically, and like, if you basically look at texts of alchemy as well, like, or like lots of texts of alchemy sort of like, like frame this basically there was this idea that the masculine is linked to the sun and the feminine is linked to the moon but basically they were seen to be two sides of the same thing yeah and so the genitals were seen as being an inverse uh, an inside or outside version of the same thing mm-hmm. and basically women were seen but and it's also if you think about it like also like uh the way that body hair has been removed is only uh, very recent, you know, it's like one of these things. I would actually love to look at a kind of, just to look at a gigantic study of the way that body hair is depicted in historical paintings. Because women, of course, are, are like really smooth and all these things. But if you look, all the men are really smooth as well. Men are really, very, very rarely depicted with body hair, like, or with leg hair or like with all of these things. Like, um, It's this classical thing, right? It goes back to like ancient Greek depictions. Yeah, I don't really know. Or yeah, there's also this, yeah, like there's also, there's certain things. But anyway, the the point is that what was happening around this time in with the with the birth of modern science is it was about finding legitimation for society's rules and expectations within the body. Yeah. That's basically it. So that's where we got like, that's where we got men and women are scientifically different yeah in that sense so it's also it's just kind of interesting to think as well that like also then we have this image of like this like peasant life that's being like completely disgusting that's actually to do with the advent of a certain social change and that before that that we it was something more like a a more hippy dippy fucking in the woods yeah but you know i like i'm so neurotic about um uh like body smell Mm. that um that when I, i when i was younger and i would imagine like what life used to be like and like i would just think like how how it must have been so disgusting to have sex i think sex is kind of disgusting anyway though yeah but there's ways to make it less disgusting which i love like you know having showered on that day people were just rutting i just i don't think that's rutting true. in the wild I think people must have had technologies of bearable sex Maybe, but I also, I don't think everyone is as neurotic about this as I am. But like, maybe, like, I can imagine. Okay, so, so I live, I am like a lusty um, blacksmith's wench. Okay, yeah. And he's been like pounding the anvil all day. Yeah. Um, as I'm um, probably organizing the next, like, um, like, 
bacchanalian yeah like, drying herbs for yeah drying burning, herbs yeah for yeah, burning yeah. and for and sw- making switches yeah for the spanking yeah exactly <laughs> and then he comes in and he's like i'm going to give you some of that medieval d yeah and then i say medieval let's get medieval <laughs> it's all right <laughs> and you turn around with your big with your big milkmaids double d's yeah 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 yeah, like, yeah. Mm. And I'm like holding three of our babies and I'm like, let me just put these down. But first, yeah. get thee to the river. And like, I say thee because it's like yeah. old times. Um, although yeah. at the times we just call them the present. Yeah. Um, and then like they, and then he like goes to the river and rinses like the, the fire smoke off his body and yeah. including his junk. And then he comes back and I put our babies in the corner and then we just like um, go for it. Right? Yeah. See, I think that is a really strange story as a way of making my point. <laughs> I just think that, like, basically you would have been, like, you would have, like, just grown up sleeping with goats. Like, or other farmyard animals. You have got animals. to leave the goats. I will, fine. Okay, I'm going to break up with them. I'm going to get to the cows. <laughs> you would have woken up sleeping with cows. I just don't warmth. think I would have. I think I would have slept with people. I think I would have been very gregarious if I was in the medieval I, times. Like, <laughs> I feel very much like if I was in medieval times, I'd have been, uh, I, there would have been a range of options available for me, which is one village idiot, two, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or potentially like uh, uh, two just died uh very like young good option good option yeah. Yeah. or three perhaps like taken in by a kindly priest to the monastery yeah and uh like sort of like stuck in there and becoming like a scribe or something like that i think you would have been like the the wise woman <laughs> yeah yeah which wouldn't have gone well for you because it's a large history of also of uh the witch burnings nah. uh, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Huh. But so that's why I realized, actually, like I started to resent paying rent because yeah. it's always been a fact of my life. People in it's quite like <clears throat> people like in Germany, it mm. seems like it's much more normal to rent, whereas there's a larger proportion of people own their own homes in Australia. Renting is an Anglo-Saxon value. No, ownership, a house ownership is an Anglo-Saxon value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is yep. bigger in the Anglo-speaking world. Right? Yep, yep, yep. But I've always been surprised because there's because there's not so much public housing in Australia. Uh, but I, it's that, that's because Australia wasn't levelled in World War Two. Yeah, but it's also because basically, like, the thing is uh, um, that... But it's also very interesting because all this stuff kind of comes back to this kind of like, it's also this like Thomas Hobbes or like Hobbesian notion of like the social contract, which is that before we lived in the society we live in, life was nasty, brutish and short. Mm. And uh, and the, we all gave our power to the sovereign to to give us order to, to make life not nasty, brutish and short. So even though we, we put up with violence because ultimately it's better for the state of nature mm. kind of thing, which is it's social contract theory, which is also, I think he was writing at the beginning of Capitalism as well so yeah. it was actually he's looking at the way that things are existing and then uh projecting a a fictional a fictional history as it were from current times which is just like this process of look of people looking at the body in the 18th century and finding like science to enact gender-based laws and all yeah. this shit like um and the basically the idea of the social contract is very strong in the uk like mm. um or used to be at any rate, like at the train station where I, uh, my mum used to live, like uh, at one point there was like a plaque on the wall being like uh, some quote from some lord or something like that. And he was saying like, 
uh, oh, all the things that Britain stands for, which was like beauty, liberty, uh, and class distinction, was like one of the values that Britain stood for. It was like oh, the wow. wall, yeah, or the wall of this like like train station in the countryside. Um, but basically, I think that uh, there was s- such after the uh, World War Two and the First World War and stuff like that, and the v- times before that were basically Victorian, and they were so terrible that there was basically just no way that things could carry on like that and with the industrialization and with the with the reliance on the workers and these things that's where the huge raft of social housing came from in the UK and Mm. then social housing has been completely neglected for the past 20 to 30 years in which it's probably not going to be part of the landscape of uh, Britain within another 10 to 20 years if it carries it without some kind of like Labour government enacting massive reforms. This is a very, very good segue because we didn't even, we haven't even talked about like, uh, like nightmares, but you know what? Actually, I think most of the people listening to this nightmares, have, like nightmares around rent. Oh like, my God. Like yeah. Most people have their own rent nightmares, but I want to finish on that. Can we finish on that? Um, Renting I nightmares. feel like it's a bit dark. Let's just be organic. As they said about Fire Festival, let's just be legends and do it. (laughs) They were legends and they did do it. Yeah, they did do it. Yeah, they did did go down in history. So that's a very very important um, uh, point that you make, which is if there is no intervention, uh, then uh, social housing could stop being a part of the the, the landscape in the Mm. UK. Now, um, at the moment, we are... um, Uh, recording this in Berlin Mm -hmm. and uh, one of the things that we want to feature and promote uh, for this uh, episode is that there is actually there are actually people who are doing something about uh, the the uh, like the 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 crisis, the, cri- yeah, the rent yeah, crisis, yeah. the it's, shit. I'm thinking this, the, the fact that uh, there is not enough social housing. There's not enough housing in general in, in Berlin. There is a, uh, like, there's a housing crisis and everyone yeah. who has tried to find a room slash apartment here has... Someone that I know went to look at an apartment in Neukölln and they mm. got a viewing because they were... Um, uh, they Vicious. were like the first one to like to to get and get to the through to I don't know the wizard that uh, like apportions these appointments. Yeah. And <clears throat> he asked how many people applied for this apartment, and he, uh, he got the answer two thousand, two thousand oh people. God. So there's like there's nowhere near enough housing in Berlin. So this is a really big problem. But there's there's increasingly nowhere near enough uh, public housing. Uh, or, or an affordable housing in yeah. Uh, Berlin. Yeah. And uh, so like something that has just come in recently is the Mietendeckel, which is like the rent, uh, the rent lid. Um, <laughs> so, and it's like, uh, like it means that a large number of people in the city have had their rents lowered. Uh, yeah. Because uh, like... It would be, the translation would be rent cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Rent cap. Yeah. But, um, uh, and so, oh yeah, the decal is also translates as cap. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call it the red lid. I like the red lid. But yeah. it's also, because the way I use decal is the thing that goes on top of your coffee cup when you yeah, take yeah. it away to go. Yeah. So I like that, actually. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> The rent cap. And so that has brought down people's rent. Um, uh, it's for five years. It could get uh, overturned by the Constitutional Court in June. Uh, we're Shit. hoping very much that that doesn't happen. Um, but It's the- also very important, though, is that 
this five years needs to be used for progressive strategies because it's also as well like to then it needs to be a time to it, rather than being like oh my god we got something for like five years this is great we don't need to do anything now until that five years is over yeah it's completely the wrong 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 system or attitude towards this because yeah which itself is a very good lead-in to the next thing that we wanted to talk about which is that there is an initiative slash campaign uh slash movement called uh uh Deutsche Wohnen, uh, Deutsche Wohnen, Deutsche Wohnen and Co. And <laughs> Deutsche Wohnen is uh, the largest apartment owning uh, company uh, in Berlin. Uh, they own a huge how, number of... How many houses do they own? Uh, I don't know exactly how many they, they own. It is thousands and thousands and thousands. It's over 3,000. It's, it's over 3,000 because uh, there is like Deutsche Wohnen and Co. And is uh, like an initiative um, to take into public ownership... Um, all apartments that are owned by people who own more than 3,000 apartments yeah. in this city. So that would be at least 240,000 apartments in this wow. city. So over 240,000 apartments in the city are owned by people who own more than 3,000 apartments. So this is a huge, yeah. huge number. And I mean, but also, wait two seconds as well. Like, I mean... 3,000 apartments is a lot of apartments anyway. It's so many. It's so many. Like, we're in one apartment right now. One apartment that's got... This is this Olympia's apartment. You live with one other person. And it's like... That's two people in one apartment. Yeah. So far, oh. your maths checks out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, it's like, but there's one person with 3,000 apartments. Oh, my God. But then like, each one of those apartments could potentially have, like, say, hypothetically, six people living with them. Like, God, it's... it's it, it, Oh, it boils my tiny peasant mind. Yeah. My it's, tiny peasant inbred goat mind is, yeah. <laughs> is melted the by the scale. Are, the goats are back. Yeah, I should be careful. I'm disturbing, disturbing the goats. So, this is, <laughs> so 240,000 apartments is 11% of all apartments in Berlin. So wow. this campaign is to take those apartments, most of which were sold off uh, by the Berlin yeah. government. They were social housing apartments. They were sold off to and like and at a, an incredibly low price. Yeah. Um, so it's a campaign to take them back into public ownership. Yeah. So if they do that, they uh, like the the plan is that this this um, purchase like so they'll be purchased back at below the market price, not yeah. at the market price. Um, there's a uh, there's a uh, justification for this in the basic law. Like it's yeah. like the Constitution of Germany, so it's Article Fifteen. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, that it it's, it is accounted for to be able to uh, uh, socialize uh, these things, take them into public, yeah. um, because there is a priority in this basic law for um, uh, living space. Yeah, that this is that this is a right uh, guaranteed uh, by the law, mm. and so um, <clears throat> they are campaigning, uh, getting uh, collecting lots of signatures. So that they can, uh, if you, if they collect one hundred and seventy-five thousand signatures by June, mm-hmm. then uh, the government has to, uh, like, there has to be a referendum on whether to do this. And if that referendum is won, then the government has to put uh, put together a law. Wow! Um, uh, yeah, to do this. So, like, it's it's a very very strategically uh, like well thought out. Um, uh, campaign. Yeah, um, it's legit. Yeah, and uh, it's also hoping to use this, uh, like this, like brief reprieve that's been yeah. uh, that's been given by uh, by the Mietendeckel. It would be much more permanent than the Mietendeckel because the Mietendeckel yeah. will only last for five years, um, and it seems like it's on uh, a stronger. Uh, legal foundation. Also, yeah. uh, so it's like it's really really solid. And if they manage 
mm. if we manage to uh, to do this, then it would mean that 11% of the apartments in Berlin yeah. have an affordable uh, price, yeah. right? They have an affordable rent, which drives down rental prices for everyone. Yeah. So it's it's this really, really, really cool initiative. And so at the yeah. moment, they're out there collecting signatures and it's possible for people to get involved. So we wanted yes. to talk about that a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many signatures do they have right now? They have collected in the first month 47,342. So they're on track to do it. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. There's like, there's over a thousand people out there collecting signatures and you will see them around. They wear like, it's like purple and gold, I think, uh, the vests. Actually, I just saw some at Tempelhof. Yeah. And they were just wearing fluoro vests. Yeah. And I was a bit put off because I had seen there was like a, a chugger, a charity mugger. Yeah. Like one of these people who you actually sign up for some like random I thing. I hate them. Oh my God. I hate them. Like with some jobs, it's like just get a different job. Yeah. Like a no. met cop, a cop and charity muggers. I put, them, <laughs> I put them in the same thing. <laughs> like because they, they can't. I hate them. I hate them. I know it's also they they it's really evil because they take a, like character some charismatic youth of some some various gender and they're just like you you're friendly and all these things and stuff. They, 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 no, it's terrible. Fuck them. Uh, I'm quite. I basically I'm quite glad to say that not one has managed. Only one has managed to engage me in a conversation in the last five years. I signed up to donate money to a cancer hospital because she made me high five her because uh, because my mother kicked cancer's ass. And I, I guess I was emotional because my mother had survived Whoa! Okay, yeah. right. Well, basically, the... They are charity muggers, aren't they? They're fucked. They're completely fucked. I kind of loved the woman that managed to convince me, obviously. So. I mean, yeah, queen. But, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but basically, look, if, like, if you could... I think if you could sign up to a fucking cancer charity because a charity mugger high fives you, then our listeners can definitely sign up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to create affordable housing options in yeah, Berlin. Yeah. So, uh, oh God, I don't have the actual website. Oh my God, I'm looking it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now who's the one typing in the podcast? <laughs> so it's uh, DW Enteignen, uh, which is the German word for like uh, socialize or expropriate. Can we put a link to this in the description? Yes. Um, but it, it's Enteignen dot... Uh, DW Dot de. Dot de. So, um, and, and there will be a link to it. Yeah, and there is um, uh, an English-speaking group, like a migrants group, uh, called Right to the City. So if you don't speak German, you can still get involved. Um, this is like, yeah, I'm so happy that this exists. I did an interview for them for the for, for the, when they said like launched it. And <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I hope I didn't fuck it up too badly. It was in German. It was cute. But one of the things I've, I found out as well is that for... Okay, so, like, because this situation is so fucked up, right? Um, for, like, on average, every apartment um, uh, that's owned by Deutsche Wohnen, yeah. 177 euro uh, of, that, of that rent per month goes directly into the uh, pockets of the shareholders um, yeah. of Deutsche Wohnen. Fuck. So it's like, it's a massive, massive fucking waste. Whoa. And Imagine if you weren't just dropped by 177 euros. Yeah. Well, actually, I think mine did buy around that from the meat and decal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And the man whose name, well, the dead man whose name is written above my door. Um, is There's nothing he can do about it. But um, uh, uh, I, I hope he's trying, though. I hope he's turning in his grave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I was going to say he's probably in hell, but I don't know. I just... I've said this before. I think hell sounds kind of nice. Um, I just like I look like I'm like with it, non-binary in life, non-binary in the afterlife. Am I right, ladies? You want to be swinging in between the two? Absolutely. Or that you want to be in purgatory? No. I mean, I'm gonna say it does sound like a happy medium. Purgatory? Yeah. 
Yeah. Or is life... Life. Life. Or life. Is life not purgatory? Oh, God. Life, life feels is purgatory. Like purgatory. Although I started on antidepressants this week and life is no longer pur- purgatory. I think I've had the quickest reaction to, uh, to antidepressants of anyone ever. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell because when people mentioned, uh, like, flippantly mentioned death, I've stopped going, oh, jelly. Yeah. I've stopped. I'm not even jelly anymore. I was actually really miserable the other day and I was like, I just want to die. And then I was like, oh, well, this is something that I can guarantee absolutely will happen. Yeah. And then I was just ever since yeah, then. Yeah, what's been, the hurry, babe? Yeah, yeah. I've been like, wow, I'm like, yeah. I need to kill myself. Life is doing me for, doing it for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. life is what you Save the work, sweetie. <laughs> I, know, I, I was like, and then I was like, oh, wow. Like, it really just let me, like, but I've also been reading the Tibetan book of Living and Dying, which yeah. actually talks about this as well. Yeah. We have a very, about sort of like, if we tend to death in our living experience, it gives us a lot of liberty from the day to day bullshit. Because you know that you're going to die. Yeah, or something like that. Or you just, yeah. yeah. Like, there's, there's, I mean, if you want to know more, read the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Like, yeah. <laughs> like uh, which I sort of skimmed, or I flicked through. Skimmed, <laughs> skimmed it. Skimmed. Skimmed it. Skimmed the Tibetan Book of Living skimmed and Dying. Skimmed the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Yeah. But wait, that's because it's written by some monk. It's not the Tibetan Book of Dead. The Tibetan Book of the Dead. Yeah. Which is a different a different book. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's just about the idea that, like, basically that, like, that there's different cultures have different relationships towards death and that also that then this can give you uh, a lot more happiness or contentedness in your day-to-day life than having this than a certain like than our our culture does that was also well, very object driven as well one thing to be said for depression is that it does make you less afraid of, afraid of dying yeah like because it makes you so tired yeah yeah but it's also as well i think that basically like uh like I really want to, one day I will make like a full scale musical production called The Saga of a Subletter. Yes, you're talking yeah. about this one. Uh, yeah, like fully. And it just like, I and I was thinking about this, I would love to actually, I would love to, uh, and because I thought, because I was subletting for, because basically I wanted to make art about subletting when I was subletting, but it was so fucking exhausting and miserable yeah. that I just couldn't really bring myself to even even face up to it. And then now that I'm not doing it anymore, like I even look back on that time and I'm just kind of like, oh my God, like how did, like, how did I do this? Some things are so bad that you can't make art about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'd love to make a crowd. So I think this would be a great example to make a quick, like to crowdsource something about this because everyone's got, so speaking of rent nightmares, but yeah. without going too much into rent nightmares, everyone's got some kind of ridiculous like subletting story or something. I've been so long. Oh, no, actually, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had a I had a housemate when I first moved here mm. um, and I thought I turned off the heater and opened the window in the kitchen after yeah. I finished cooking and then I went out and then I brought this guy home because I'd been out like all night. And then she was standing in the hallway and she was like in the kitchen and she was shaking with rage. And she's oh like, God. you turned on the heater and left open thing. I was like, oh, because I turned it all the way on rather than all the way off. Um, and she was shaking and started crying. And I was like, 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 because I had wasted energy. Oh my God. Um, oh then, yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, it was so good. And then, uh, and then so <laughs> I said to this guy, uh, just go to my room. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, Sorry, and yeah. she was just like, "If something like this happens again, you have to move out." Oh yeah, my god! Paying. And people, other like the other room, people were just cycling through the other room because she was so awful to live with. Um, oh yeah, my she god! Was the worst. 
Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, the fucking worst. Like Saga of a Subletter. Like so, it's, it's basically as well like just the uh, being. Yeah, when you're just being, oh, just this process of. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Well, because also there's stuff that I was talking about with Gay Village earlier on as well. Like, so, and I'm thinking about the idea of like uh, of an immaterial practice, like or developing like a, a statement for an immaterial practice because I feel that like the right the the right and the experience of physical space like is just be being lost to us more or less, due to the way that housing, due to this enclosure of the commons, basically. Like, and so I think that it's also as well, the other thing is, is that uh, I was, I think, wait, uh, that basically I feel, oh yeah, I was listening to my friend yesterday as well, like with this, with coronavirus, I feel at least, something I've kind of really enjoyed about this is it's a a fundamentally very political crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't feel like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't wash my yogurt pot right. So now coronavirus has happened, which is the way that I feel about the climate because of the the way that everything works. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because of the the idea that the individualization of it and in art and media and culture and in in activist initiatives and also in this, this kind of like, which is really a privileging of of tactics over strategy Mm -hmm. as well you know like tactically speaking we can reduce the climate impact by controlling the way that we fucking guardian effect right like i saw this article uh which was amazing it was like some opinion piece written by this guy in the guardian and it said i couldn't stop brexit but i can do my bit for global uh to like to prevent global warming and i was like that is the guardian in a nutshell couldn't stop brexit and cut and, and only offering individualist solutions for, clo- uh, for climate change. But this is what's so cool about uh, oh, Deutsche Wohnen. Co- yes, 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 yes. Because there are so many different people um, uh, supporting it. So like Die Linke, um, like the Neukölln um, thing, uh, like fa- fraction, mm. uh, section. Faction. Of, yeah. Of, uh, of <laughs> Die Linke um, has uh, dedicated uh, like their resources and uh, like and... Uh, like man, woman, tran power to it. Um, I think it just tra- does not tran power encapsulate tran power. Tran yeah. power. I don't think that cis people have tran power. I think that's just us. I like to just think of it maybe as transformational power. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then Verdi Berlin and IG Metal Berlin. Um, IG the, Metal Berlin. Yeah, they're the, uh, they're the two biggest IG uh, Metal Berlin. Um, it's like the two biggest uh, trade unions in, oh. uh, in Berlin, um, maybe in Germany. I don't know. Um, uh, have uh, supported it. Uh, the, gre- the 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 left um, party in Berlin have supported it. The Greens, I think, have come out uh, in support of it. The SPD, um, like the Social Democrats, um, have said that they're uh, not for it, but like they already betrayed us in, two th- in 1914. So what yeah. do we expect from the German Social Democratic Party? There's a saying yeah. in German, um, wer, hat, wer hat uns verraten, Sozialdemokraten, who betrayed us, the Social Democrats. And it's like, it's just true. It's true. The traitorous dogs. Oh, um, yeah. But um, so, uh, yeah, so there's, like, it's, a, it's a whole bunch of, uh, and a whole bunch of like uh, renters, uh, organizations have signed on. It's a, it's a really actually quite... Um, uh, unusual and cool how many people have uh, it's a come together. Yeah, it's a coalition. And yeah. it's it's, um, uh, it's really, really, uh, I think, a really good example of how a broader leftist project can work. It's, yeah, no, it's amazing. It's so, it's because it's, it's, it's a coalition. It's also, I mean, to a certain extent, it's rhizomatic as well, where it's just about, it's also, and it's, it's, it's what? Rhizomatic. What does that mean? Um, ginger is rhizomatic. 
It's when someone... Oh, I see. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Ginger <laughs> is a rhizomatic plant, so it's rather than a tr- than an oak tree is not something that is rhizomatic, mm-hmm. like, or a sea-basing. So it's like... So this a, campaign is more like ginger than an oak tree. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's all my questions answered. <laughs> I just see it as my role in life to shed light on the mystery of this world to eludicate and educate wherever I go so that people have to no longer live in ignorance or fear it's a hard burden to bear but bear it I do yeah no I like suddenly everything's become so clear to me (laughs) no what it is is that just even though that it's an initiative that has begun it lacks to a certain extent a kind of hegemonic centre in the same sense Mm -hmm. as other uh electoral politics work Mm -hmm. in or something Mm -hmm. like that as well where also it's ultimately and so the uh it uh it ultimately is leading towards as well a referendum as well so it's not it's not like also it's it's uh it's a part of a process and that many people are part of this process and that basically for this process to have any traction it needs to have signatures yeah but all it needs are signatures. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And it also builds something because then uh, once these signatures are collected, the next phase would be to have a campaign. And like there are the, mm. the opposition to this um, is uh, very, very wealthy, obviously. Uh, they have a lot of resources. Um, but at the same time, this campaign builds, um, yeah. uh, builds uh, like capacity to uh, campaign for for this, uh, yeah. like, like for the for position, uh, for the referendum. So it's building up a structure that actually, uh, like, uh, is, like, continues into the future. Yeah, it's also with this level of, like, apocalyptic capitalism, like, it's also, they've kind of, like, 86 themselves, because it's just a bit, like, people, like, it's not like they can, um... <laughs> like, you know, a big thing about when I, when I was, like, uh, just growing up with stuff about the idea of, like, communists or communism or something like that, I was like, you, uh, communists are against private property, so you can't have nice things. Yeah. Whereas this is already like you already can't have nice things because yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's true. You no one's going to get evicted from their houses. No. Like no, and also like no small landlords. So like you know like uh, yeah. like parents who've like you know worked really hard all their lives. Although I probably wouldn't get along with them in a conversation. Like worked really hard all their lives. Um, yeah. And then, no. No. You know, no. And yeah. buy an, and buy one extra apartment or something. It's not something that affects people like that. It's like it takes square. You have like, to have over three thousand households. Yeah. yeah. So and if you, I imagine you're just there, like thank God I only brought two thousand nine hundred ninety nine <laughs> back when the wall fell. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow, love <laughs> them there. They're like they're like the much richer version of your mother doing a good job off the crisis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Be like. Yeah. They probably have like four goats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad somebody said it because. <laughs> but yeah, so it really takes square. And, and I think what I'm like, but like on a broader uh, like level, what I think is so clever about this um, is that uh, it can function also as a bit of a transitional demand, right? Yeah. Because, because everyone can broadly agree that everyone should have a home. Yeah. Um, and that it's more important. Uh, like it's a very compelling argument to a lot of people that housing should not be a commodity, right? That everyone yeah. should have access to housing. That's more important than some like anonymous, like faceless shareholders, like making uh, like this extra 177 euro a month, but, like from every apartment, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So and um, also that these people already have. There's like it's also the question of is housing a business venture? 
or yeah. not. And the point is, is that these are people who are, are treating it not only as a business venture, but like, uh, as it like, this is, oh my God, like, like stocks and shares like this is because it was again, like if 3000 homes, I mean, I to be honest, if it was me, I would be like any household, any group with more than 300 homes, I think is too large. More than 30 is ridiculous. Like, this is not the position of the campaign, but I think more than three. Yeah, more than three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, was, what was it like? What was that saying that it was like? Like I saw that it was on a like a, tw- a tweet. It was like, no one gets a second plate until everyone has eaten once, except yeah. for houses. Yeah. <sighs> like this is like this is exactly how this should work. There's yeah. no need for anyone to have a second house until everyone already has one house. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like. Um, but so it's like making this demand that actually that the government should intervene mm. um, and uh, like in this process of the uh, like ever more violent commodification of yeah. uh, of housing, that the government can and should intervene mm. uh, to make people's lives more livable. Yeah. Uh, this is like this is a winnable um, this is a winnable uh, like objective with the with the uh, the antagonism. Right? Yeah. And so. But it's not even necessarily directly anti-capitalist because the basic premise of uh, the of uh, within capitalism is that the government is the committee of the bourgeoisie, and basically the point is that's because the bourgeoisie cannot be trusted to administer to the needs of the social system, which it relies on for these things. Because basically, you can't have people being housed effectively within a city, then you can't be effectively used that that city can't then effectively produce profits, etc., and all these things as well. Or people can't do that. So it ultimately is just asking the state to do what the state is, which is intervene with rich people who've like just run amok. Yeah, well, like, yeah, and I, but I, I think what I like about it is the, that it could, that it has the potential to go beyond that because, yeah. uh, like, uh, we've seen that with uh, after the Second World War in uh, and the establishment of the world uh, the welfare state in Western Europe, mm. um, uh, that like this is a promise that the ruling class will not keep. Yeah, um, that there will be like every time this happens. Like there will be another round of Thatchers and Reagans and all of this uh, to claw back any sort of concessions because it doesn't, it doesn't end the war. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and it, like it just it just wins a certain battle, right? Mm. But like what I like about this is because uh, like we've like in this broader state of capitalist realism, which is this concept from Mark Fisher that we've talked mm. about before, which is this uh, inability to imagine that things could be different. We yeah. have like it's difficult for uh, like one of the like the uh, like uh, tasks of this project um, is to convince people that this is actually possible. This could happen. Yeah, um, and and it like it it factually could um yeah. but like and so if people see that something that seems so drastic to us could happen that yeah. it would be possible to have a victory then yeah. that clears the field for us to be able to make more radical demands right? and in other cities as well in other pro- cities as well but and then like and more radical yeah. demands here as well yeah, so yeah, like yeah. It, it, it has a it has the potential to make room for even more than what is currently being demanded and i think yeah. this is what's so cool about it i haven't seen something like this um, yeah, uh, in a place where I've lived uh, yeah. before, I think it's I, I think it's really really cool. I'm really excited about and it. And it literally just needs your signature. Just needs your signature. And or if you have already done that and you have a little bit of extra spare time to go and get some other people's signatures on that. Yeah, and they also need donations. They need money. You can find that on the website. We'll uh, we'll post that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's 
That's great. We can almost never point to something that is good that we think it like. Usually, we're always bitching about about how many things that we no. don't like. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is this is the one episode where we can point to something that's good. We're pointing. I mean, there's lots of things that I like to point at, but it's just that they're often quite <laughs> far away. <laughs> yeah, that's true. A little bit, yeah. maybe perhaps over the horizon. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. But like, uh, but yeah, no. This is. Uh, I mean, this is great. It's also just a bit like, uh, just fucking do it. Sign the petition. Uh, in fact, actually, you know what? I haven't signed the petition yet, uh, because obviously uh, I'm not German-speaking, and so I'm automatically intimidated by this and by the German-speaking people who are around signing up for it. Yeah. So and please instruct me on how I, an English-speaking person here, would uh, sign up for this petition. Go, uh, you, like, find someone outside, go and speak to them. Most of the people, I think, that are doing it would uh, be able to speak some mm-hmm. level of English. Um, yep. And if they can't, you will be able to find someone else who does. Yep. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure if you can sign online. One of the things is that I think they need citizens uh, yeah. to sign it. But I've, I've heard that they're also collecting signatures from people who aren't citizens mm. um, to make a point about how many people um, uh, like should have a say in this. Right. Who, who don't. Okay. Because you need to be able to vote. You need to be able to vote in German elections. Yeah. Um, but uh, so so I, even, if, even if not, like do seek it out. And... Yeah, but I also, I'm just thinking of the, so uh, my German ex, <laughs> I will need to get to sign it. And they, I'm mm-hmm. sure there's people you know who are German citizens who then you can get to sign. Yeah, exactly. How many pages are on the petition? I don't Is know. Is it just I've one got, page? I've got it here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's one page. So it's pretty easy. Yeah, super easy. No excuse. No excuse. I've been making them though. Sorry? <laughs> I'm still making them. <laughs> I'm too busy today. Okay, and the deadline for I'm basically it just needs to happen now, really. Yeah, yeah. it needs to happen now because it's get just get out there and do just it. Just get out there and do it. Yeah, just do it. Sooner that you get out there and do it, the sooner we can start. Like, um, I don't know what, what, what's next. What should we do? Like sex parties and socialized flats. God, yeah, imagine, yeah, government organised sex parties. <laughs> government mandated oh my God. sex parties. Yeah, the, the, what is it, government, or like, or, sex parties are organised by the German government would be such a fucking disaster. You know, yeah. my, 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 my dad or mum once said he couldn't organise a route in a brothel. <laughs> and I feel like, uh, like the German government couldn't, couldn't uh, organise chemsex in a sex party. No, no, no. In fact, actually, though, I think that... It would probably be frowned upon, I guess, if they organised a chemsex orgy. Oh, I mean, they just... This is what... Basically, this is what they're doing in the Vatican all the time. Right? Yeah, so it's just like... I think that basically, that what would be better is that the government uh, should just, like... I can imagine the government, whatever... I can imagine it happening on the edge of whatever the government incentive was. Yeah. Of some kind, or something like that. So... I would just say, like, I would just say they should just declare cruising grounds. You know yeah. how they gave, like, heritage status to the Burkine? Yeah. Cruising grounds. I wonder what would happen if you declared a cruising ground, though. Would, like, I just imagine a whole bunch of, like, hip young straight people going in there to do drugs like they do with uh, dark rooms. That's what already happened in the cruising ground in Hasenheide during the pandemic last yeah, year. Yeah, right? Oh, my yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. That's so annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I was in the dark room back home one time and mm-hmm. like sitting next to a friend. Um, and then this like group of straight people came in, sat down and started doing drugs next to us. And I just went, oh. <laughs> and then they said, 
oh, sorry, we'll be out of here in a second. And then I was like, oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> That's so loudly. Oh, but I mean, I like, good God, they were aware. Well, it's just like, if you're going to go in there, take your clothes off. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. like it's fine. You don't have, like, you don't have to be having sex if you're in a dark room. But like, if you're straight and you only want to go in there to do drugs, I take mean, your clothes off. You don't, most of the time you don't use your genitals to like, uh, to take drugs. So like, what do you Yeah, care? me neither. You just like leave them out while you, uh, you go in there and just let someone have a, you know. Oh, well, no, I'm not saying that someone has to participate in sex in order to use a dark room. But just like, don't bring in this like, like, this desexualized heterosexual energy. Yeah. Yeah. You at least be heterosexy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is, a, I think, a perfect place for us to leave our conversation on rent. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to discuss uh, the, uh, like the, the process of theft that is rent uh, with you, Using Blue. And when I take on my goat bride, I will name her after you. <laughs> Olympia Bukak. Goat Olympia Bukak. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to keep trying to push her over, but she'll never fall because yeah. she's a goat. <laughs> well, dear listeners, uh, we hope that you've enjoyed the return of monthly slurry. We will be back for our next uh, for your next dose of slurry by the month uh, next month. And uh, enjoy your pandemic until then. Month. <laughs> <laughs>